coming to you straight out of the library with town news, community updates, book recommendations, and an interview with a local person of interest. My name is Bonnie, and I'm the director of the Dayland Memorial Library, and with me today is Julianne. Hi, Julianne. Hi, Bonnie. She's our children's program director, of course, and Amy is here today. Hi. Hello. She is our interlibrary loan specialist, and Madison Safer, of course, large and in charge, our producer. Thank you. Good morning. Um, it is the very end of 2020. Oh. The sun is setting December 29th, and there's hardly any snow on the ground. Mm-hmm. But um, we just got past Christmas. How was it? We did. It was lovely. A lovely Quiet. Christmas. Nice. How about I you? I loved my Christmas. It was very good. How about you? Good. Our theme at the library was home for the holidays, and I think we all followed the rules and stayed home for the holidays. And I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. Like it was kind of quiet and reflective right mm-hmm. and yes. um there was nowhere to go so you didn't feel like you were rushing anywhere. Yes. so it was right. kind of um i felt a little bit lucky in a way it was a pajama day yes all day all day everyone was in their pajamas lovely low pressure on the food because mm-hmm. no one's coming over so mm-hmm. just put that ham in the oven and call mm-hmm. it a day <laughs> at least that's what i had mm-hmm. so this uh the title of this podcast is best of 220 which maybe it's not the best title, oh, but uh, mm-hmm. it wasn't a great year, but a lot of things happened here at the library yeah. in 220. So instead of inviting a guest um, to interview, I kind of wanted to do a round table with the staff today to kind of look back on the year for the highs and lows. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we do that, of course, we have to talk, recap the news in town. And then Amy, um, this is like your cup of tea recommendation. So mm. reviewing the best of 220. Oh, yeah. There were a million lists out there in the last week or two. I printed, and, and we'll probably tag them um, at the show notes. NPR had a fabulous best of 220 yes, list. They, theirs is great. Of course, the New York Times had a good list. Um, I put the lit pub list on, and Obama. Mm-hmm. always puts a list yep. out. Oprah puts a list out that people respect. Bill Gates puts a list out. Like his is only five books this year. Hmm. Um, but there were a lot of repeats. Did you find that on the best of book lists? Yes, which is good, I think. Yeah, because then it really highlights like, oh, these are the best books. And I was telling you about one list and I can't remember which one it was. I opened it up and I didn't recognize any of the covers. I hadn't read any of the books. That's and I crazy. Thought, is this really the best of? And it was just 10 books. And hmm. maybe they were just so high lit that I missed them. But um, you would think as a librarian, you would have just seen that. Right, so right. We're going to publish trusted lists. And then, of course, you're going to do a bunch of recommendations today to cue us in. But um, let's quickly recap December in Mount Vernon. And I'm going to start with the PTA Light Show. Oh, it was so fun. <laughs> you. <laughs> You put an entry in this year. Tell the story of that. I don't think we, we talked about it a little bit at the last podcast, but you have to tell the disaster story. It was a, it was a disaster. Um, <laughs> the final challenge of 220. Yeah. Um, the PTA asked if we would participate in their light show. And I said, of course we would. And, but I, I was trying to get like a grasp of what they were actually asking us to do because they'd never done one before. And so Jessica Hinkley was the one that's large and in charge with the light show. She's always up for a good challenge. Yeah. And she said that it's going to be, um, it's a light show and they were talking about classic holiday movies and she was mentioning a bunch of them and she hadn't mentioned the Peanuts. 
So that came to my mind immediately. So we thought we would do Snoopy's Doghouse. And uh, sounds so simple. So simple, <laughs> especially when we asked uh, Craig Meter um, down at at GS. Huh, remember the name. Um, his uh, company down in Milford, he makes boxes. If they would make us a Snoopy's doghouse, which and of course he said yes because they're very generous with the library and my, my programs, and he made us. A fabulous Snoopy doghouse. How big was that doghouse? It was huge. It was identical. It took up a whole day in my garage. Because it was the 3D mm-hmm. doghouse. doghouse. It wasn't just a flat. It was the best. Piece of cardboard, which is what I kind of was thought they would do. And it was structurally sound in my garage. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this doghouse was touched by many hands. Your husband did a phenomenal job. Shout out. Painting <laughs> the doghouse. Thank you, Tim. Um, beautiful, beautiful red doghouse. I'm mm-hmm. so happy I didn't have to do it. And Madison painted Snoopy and Woodstock. And we were so excited. Bonnie and I decided we would put it up the night before. It makes sense, right? Put it up the night before, see if it looks good. Yeah. Plug it in to make sure the lights work. And then we're done. And then so, we're done. So we went and we did it in an hour, probably, and we tarped it and we tied it down. We were so proud of ourselves. So proud. And we're like, this is our best one yet. And then we went home and then we got a terrible, terrible storm. Rainstorm first. Mm-hmm. And we thought, this can't be good. And then. It turned to snow, and I thought, okay, then we got a snowstorm. And I just live down the street from the house, uh, from the school. So we had my husband hadn't plowed me out yet, so I thought, well, I just walked down in the snow. I didn't know what. And when I finally got there, it was flat. Completely collapsed. It was completely flat. <laughs> and all the wires. What? The tarp didn't work? <laughs> All of the lights were down and tangled, and there was fishing line everywhere, and it was a tangled disaster. <laughs> and you and Tim came by, thank God, and we tried for a super long time. Right. Get it back up. So get it back up. And um, about an hour before the show, I asked Jessica, is she still standing? <laughs> and um, she said, mostly. Mostly standing, and I and she shot me a picture, and it was just a, it was horrible. It, it was really, an embarrassment. It didn't really look like Snoopy's dog anymore. And I thought we can't we can't have this for the library, you know, entry. This is an embarrassment, and I was really sad. We we're going to take it down. Yeah. And my husband in the eleventh hour said, oh, "I think I could make it work." Thank God. So <laughs> he did. We, he went with his with his um. There were pieces of wood and drills involved, but somehow he made it back into a house, and somehow there was enough hooks left on it that the lights. Yup. And we were still plugged in effectively. Yup, and it looked good. I think it was a very good. Nobody entry. needed to know when you drove through. It looked like perfection. It looked like mm-hmm. Snoopy's doghouse. It looked great. They had just seen it forty-five minutes before. <laughs> Right. It was good, and the light show was great. They did a good job. It sounds like um, they're going to do it, it again fun. next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and which gives us a whole year to think about you know what it could be next mm-hmm. year and i thought they were unlucky but lucky so they were unlucky that it was a rainstorm yeah they actually postponed it till the next day yeah but mm-hmm. they were lucky that they got the snow because i thought so it, it looked really more pretty. beautiful mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the snow and it can only get bigger and better and it was just like a fun thing to do because you couldn't go anywhere so. i loved it yeah it was good so thank you to the pta uh They're another awesome. another pivot for the year mm-hmm. like they didn't just quit and say no that's just with Santa we're not doing anything and then there was another pivot the virtual tree lighting event that happened um, instead of the regular tree lighting where we invite the entire community to surround town hall and light the tree and clap we had to do it virtually this year and I say we but it was really Heather Kennedy and the rec department decided that they were going to do it on Facebook now I have to say that's very risky right like the Wi-Fi is terrible at Town Hall. You've got some kind of device, maybe an iPad. I don't even know what they had out there. And it was raining and the mm. cars were going by at 5 o'clock. So not ideal conditions, but it came on and the yep. tree lit and the police chief um, lit the tree. And I talked to him afterwards and he said uh, he's done a lot of high stress things, but he said crawling under the tree was maybe one of the most stressful things he had done because he wow. was afraid it wouldn't light Aww. and that he would be solely responsible. Did you tell him welcome to our world? I'm like, yeah, that's every <laughs> year at tree lighting, mm-hmm. right? Every year at tree lighting, you pray to God you don't blow the town hall up or we blow a fuse. But um, so that was not exactly, you know, the tree lighting of past, but in this moment it lit and it's, it was been, great. it's been lit all week. And then they put ornaments out. Um, they staggered days and people got... Uh, ornaments that represented mm-hmm. uh, the buildings in town. So if you were lucky enough to get one of, I don't even know how many there were, maybe 100, maybe 50, I'm not sure. Amy, you snagged one. You got one I did. Me. So we have one here at the library. So um, I'm not sure how much longer the tree will be lit. I'm hoping January 6th isn't that the European day to take your decorations down. Epiphany. Right. There you go. Um, but we shall see. So that came and went very quickly. And did anybody listen to the Messiah? No. They posted it on YouTube as an audio, but I haven't gone in. Somebody posted a link to it. As an audio. Hmm. Yeah, the audio version oh. of Messiah. They were supposed to um, blend. No video, no video. Yeah. Huh. They taped voices and then putting them together. So if you didn't hear it. I didn't, but I haven't really been on social media this week very much. Mm-hmm. So it could have got past me. Well, I'll go back and take a look. That was another event that was they were hoping mm-hmm. to pull off virtually. And like that's no easy feat. Right, so, that's a lot of editing. That's a lot of editing. So, um, the schools went viral. That's an update in town, or not viral? <laughs> <laughs> they always go viral. Virtual, virtual. Amy, mm-hmm. how'd that go? What happened? I think, I think my kids were maybe a little bummed that it mm-hmm. it couldn't have just held out through, you know, to make it to the originally scheduled Christmas so break. Was it because of the spike in cases or <laughs> snow days they used? I, I feel like. The impression that I got was there was possibly, and I could be way off base here, but um, a possible lack of staffing, just in combination of people being in quarantine or ill or vacations. I'm not, I'm not really clear, but um, <clears throat> lack of staffing. And then there were, a, in that moment when he made the decision, there were many um, people in quarantine and it looked like there were a lot of active cases mm-hmm. and then right after that it seemed like things flipped uh, to a lesser status but you know it's that's a tough decision you have to make it in the moment and you just have to go with it and say yep it's the right thing 
So any hmm. word for reopening? Are we going back in January? I haven't heard anything different. Mm -hmm. You know, as far as I know, the, the the first two weeks are still remote, and the, as far as I know, the plan is still to go fully back into the classrooms January nineteenth, the day after oh. um, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Yeah. Okay, perfect. I so. didn't know about the two week, the first two weeks. I yeah. thought that he we were saying we were going back right after the holiday. So no, that's they news that, to me. They made that decision back in. Thanksgiving timing. Yes, I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I feel like right. that's kind of our timeline too. So the library rolled back um, into curbside right. pickup only uh, at the recommendation of uh, the police chief. He's also the emergency team management leader. So uh, he requested that the library trustees consider due to high cases that we go roll back. So we agreed to do that till the end of December and then we're going to reevaluate, um, you know, the health of the community and whether we should reopen. and. Obviously, if you watched, you know, any social media this past week, um, they had the highest number of flights on Sunday, like everybody leaving their Christmas destinations mm. to come home. So they're thoroughly expecting a spike in the next two weeks. Sure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that may or may not affect Mount Vernon, but we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it sounds like colleges are going back, schools are going back, yep. and we would potentially be reopening um, in that time period also. It might be worth it to you know, hurry up and wait and kind of just watch before we reopen here. And um, our pivot for that was we were getting ready to launch the Winter Reading Marathon here at the library, which is super exciting. We do a summer reading program, but we don't usually do a winter reading program. Um, but we were asked by the state library to kind of um, engage people through the winter. And I saw a post on Instagram from another library that was doing something similar and sent it to Amy. And she took all the ideas and graphics and made something fantastic. Uh, we are promoting the idea of reading from the first day of winter, which was December 21st, mm -hmm. through March 20th, which is the first day of spring. And I don't know exactly how many days it is. Is it 90 or a little bit less or a little bit more? It's got to be close to that. Approximately 90 yeah. days. And then we're challenging people to mm. read as much as they can. And we correlated the number of books with miles. So if you do the 5K, three books. 10K, six books. Half marathon, 13 books. And if you do the full marathon, which we know Amy is definitely going to do the full <laughs> marathon. She might be an ultra marathoner. Um, that's 26 bucks. And that, mm -hmm. that would be huge. Have you figured out the pace on what it would be to do? I haven't thought about it, no. Is it two books a week? Right. Two and a half books? Mm. It's 2.75 books or something like that. But it's ambitious, yeah. but you can do it. Yeah. If you don't look at your phone. <laughs> no, no TikTok. <laughs> no TikTok, right? Um, but, you know, if there were ever, like, if we shut down again, or there's a rollback, or who knows what could happen, um, books are always there for you. And you should be taking a book to your doctor appointments and take a book everywhere you go. Mm. Stay on pace. But I know that I bumped up some audiobooks, and so like hopefully be listening during times where you can't really you know hold a book to read to get my numbers up there. And I plugged two books yesterday. I'm like I'm, I'm on pace. Hopefully, but. What Amy did was she made reading logs, one for adults and one for children. The children's reading log is really interactive. Um, they can put a sticker on uh, a snowflake to represent either a book or if parents want to reset the goals to like just going to your room to read. Like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Like 26 of something, 26 times you read, 26 books. What do you think? I, I think it all depends on the reading level, right? Yeah. So if you're reading picture books, you could get that done in a week. Right. right. So um, put your house. 
a mother I think I would look at my child and I'd be like okay for you 26 times that you read in bed without mm-hmm. you know television or whatever or 26 times in my lap if I have a lapsed mm-hmm. child or you know like mm-hmm. you said 26 picture books for somebody might be a lot or one night mm-hmm. for another household so. That's right. Exactly. so we're just having you challenge your child and then the adults obviously it's just a straight 26 book list mm-hmm. And uh, we have prizes, and um, we're hoping that the Friends of the Library want to be the sponsor of our, our grand um, gift, which is going to be a Kindle e-reader. So someone at the end is going to win that. But then we're going to do local gift cards from now until March. And our first one is Union Coffee and the General Store, because who doesn't need coffee and maybe a bottle of wine? I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what to do. But <laughs> <laughs> buy what you want there. And we'll give that out at the end of the first month, and then the end of the second month we'll give out prizes, and the third month. But you have to be registered. Yes. A, Amy made a Google Doc so that we can capture everybody who registers, how old they are, and get your email so we can keep you connected. And then no matter what, if we're open or we're curbside or we're closed, we're going to have the names of those people and really motivate people to get yep. to the finish line of the marathon. So I'm excited. I'm hoping to get at least to the half marathon mark, if not the full marathon. So that's good. And then. Virtual library cards were a big thing this year. We'll be promoting that again. If you don't have your library card yet, we'll be promoting getting that without even having to come in. You can get your library card and start using our digital streaming services, which is Hoopla and Overdrive, and get people borrowing that way, Mm -hmm. because that counts too. You don't have to just borrow books from our library. Get on there, and I have found so much stuff on Hoopla. Do you agree? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that's new this year. Overdrive, I'm on a bunch of wait lists, um, because everybody's using it, but I check Hoopla first now. Because if they have it, I don't need to go anywhere right. else. So no, wait. That is exciting. All right, that's all the news that's fit to print for Mount Vernon. We're going to move on to segment two, which is Amy's um, best of 220 list. And I will not leave out Madison and Joanne. If you want to chime in your best of mm-hmm. um, for the year, it was a challenging year because we shut down in March. Mm-hmm. And kind of like, the January books kicked out in February, and it just seemed so normal. And then the publishers started messing around with the publishing dates of things. Mm. Some things got held. They were hoping for the best. And they're like, oh, that was supposed to be an April launch, but we're going to wait. Or the summer books started kicking out early. And for me, ordering books, I was like, should I be buying books while we're closed? Like, do we really not want to have this on the shelf just, just because it was published in April and we were closed? So when I was right. going through the best of 220 list, I was like, oh, that's right. Like, there's a lot of books on the shelf that people missed. Yes. Because we were closed, but we purchased the book. And it's kind of sad. Like, this should have gone out 26 times, and it only went out three times. So I feel like maybe some of the books that you're going to recommend are going to fall in that maybe. list. Yeah. Um, remember when we first shut down, and we all went home with, like, a stack of, like, six yeah. books? Mm-hmm. Like, those books kind of didn't resurface again until like June when we reopened and it was like I was recommending books that I read right in the beginning of that to people because I'm like oh you probably didn't read this because it was shut down so um, that's one thing about this list this year it's not regular for sure and the publisher is trying to kick everything out at different times or maybe not at all Mm -hmm. Um, made highly anticipated books just maybe unread so things that we were looking forward to I didn't hear a lot of buzz about 
you know, and then it was like gone, poof, yeah. that month went by and we're, you know, because people were focused on other things, obviously, yeah. you know, like it was maybe irresponsible to be talking about Ellen Hildebrand's new release, after, you know, <laughs> I was like, yeah, 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 we, no one can go on vacation, you know, there's mm-hmm. no such thing as summer, and um, we'll see, but anyways, mm-hmm. I'm going to let you take the recommendation segment and looking forward to what you loved. All right, well, it, it definitely was a different year, um, for me, reading-wise, I I read more books this year than I ever have, mostly because of um, Do you have a the, number? the stay-at-home order. I think I'm at 218. In one year? Yeah. But that's, that's why we hired her. <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's physical books. That's audiobooks. Like, if I'm in the car by myself, I'm listening to an audiobook. Okay. I, I don't do podcasts shocking this is a podcast this like i listen to this one this, this is it this is the only one I, listen to. Um, I don't do podcasts i listen to audiobooks all the time that's if i'm cooking dinner i'm listening to an audiobook if i'm folding laundry i'm listening to an okay audiobook. so that's a good hint to so, our marathon people yeah stop doing what you're doing while you're cooking and listen to a book you can yeah. just, do you do earphones is everybody listening sometimes i just have my phone on the counter sometimes mm-hmm. if they're you know if, if the kids are around or you know if, if i just feel like i need to Depending on what I'm listening to, if I don't want other people hearing it, I'll put my, my so earbuds in. So an audio book a week would put you at 52 extra books. Yeah. I usually can squeeze in, depending on the size of the book, two audiobooks oh in a week. An audiobook average, yeah. eight hours, right? It depends. Right. Some, of, I, some of them are a little longer, but little. yeah. But, so that's, so I, I definitely read more thanks to the stay-at-home order, quarantine, just what else is there to do? I, I mean, I think at the beginning I was reading like six or seven books a week. Wow. Physical books, just because I was home and I wasn't doing anything else. Right. Um, Reader advisory. That's and what I call that. the other interesting thing about my reading this year, I found, was I read a lot more um, fiction that was published this year in 2020. Typically, be, well, because Interlibrary Loan was shut down for mm-hmm. six-ish months, all the books that I normally, I, I keep a list of things that I eventually want to borrow through ILL. I couldn't work through that list for six months. So I had what was at my disposal here at the library or on Overdrive and Hoopla, which was a lot of newer things. So normally at the end of the year, I do a, I do a top nine fiction and a top nine nonfiction. But because I read so much new fiction, things that came out just this year, I did a top nine of t- books published in 2020, a top nine of fiction published before 2020, and then the top nine of um, nonfiction. Awesome! So I'm not going to read the whole list because it it you know I, I did some honorable mentions as well because I just couldn't <laughs> just couldn't. So um, it it breaks down to I don't know it's over 40 books total. But um, we'll have it in the show notes. And then also um, Dalen, the Dalen Digital Picks, um, which will go out this week, is all about these books. So that'll be, that'll be on there. So I'm just going to pick the top. It's hard. I, I think I'm going to pick the top three from each. So for books that came out this year, I, my top three, I think it's still really solidly The Glass Hotel by Hilary St. John Mandel. Migrations by Charlotte McConaughey and Greenwood by Michael Christie. Ooh. Those are my so my top three. I saw new Glass books. Hotel on almost everybody's list. Yeah. It was on Obama's list too. And when you and I talked the other day, mm. I didn't remember that you loved it so yes. much. So that's now on my two twenty one list. I know. No, I <laughs> just it's it so well written. And for people who are familiar with her, 
um, from Station Eleven. This is a completely different novel. It's a standalone. It has nothing to do with Station Eleven. And I think some people initially were kind of disappointed because that book was so wonderfully written that you wanted to know more of that story. But this is, it's a completely different story, completely different people. But her writing, oh my gosh, it's just so well written. And just the way she made the whole story arc of that book, it's just so beautifully done. So okay, if you so haven't read that yet, it's Glass definitely Hotel have to read it. by Emily St. John Mandel. Hillary. Hillary. I think it's Hillary. Or is it Emily? Um, it says Emily on this okay, list, but so, my list nope, could be wrong. Nope, I bet I'm wrong. Because um, I was doing that one off the top of my head. Um, yes. Okay, perfect. Glass Hotel. Migrations by Charlotte McConaughey, which you pointed that book out to me it was as like an indie, indie pick. Indie yeah. pick of the month, and I haven't seen it on as many lists, but because you say it's great, and because the other two people who read it right after you said it was so amazing, mm-hmm. like maybe it's just one of those under you know the radar type books, right. and we're going to see right. another book by this author. But it made the cover of the indie picks for that month. You should always read that, whatever the indie pick is mm-hmm. of the month, because uh, so many people pre-read it sure. uh, if they choose it. Yep. Another book that was just really beautifully written. The writing is really good. Um, And then Greenwood, Michael Christie. That was, I think that might have been another indie pick, Mm -hmm. actually. And I I don't know if a lot of people just didn't read that, if it didn't get on. Like, I haven't seen that on a lot of lists. So maybe that's a book that it just really personally resonated Mm -hmm. for me, but I really enjoyed that one. So I I will say that, too. Um, I saw a lot of lists that were like, Top ten books for win, leadership, women's leadership, or top ten mm. books for habits. So like, there's a, there's a list for everything. Yeah, you know, that's like true. whatever your genre is, um, science fiction list. Like some people broke it down by genre, and then the NPR list. I I know I've talked about this, but like it's so well done. If you opened it, like the filters. Like, you can filter by nonfiction fiction. You can filter by category. You can, it's really cool the it's way they did so that. It's so cool. Whoever yep. spent the time to do that, I just want to send them a thank you. <laughs> and you could quickly pick a cover, click on it, boom, it gave you a quick synopsis, and then boom. And it also said, this was the coolest thing, does your library have? So you clicked on that I library that. button, and it ranked all the libraries in New Hampshire that owned it, if they were part of it. Mm-hmm. So then you could see, like if we had it, or if Merrimack had it, or you could know you could interlibrary mm-hmm. own it. So it wasn't just like, link here for the Amazon purchase. It was like, library was the first button. And that was I was smart. like, oh, NPR, you're so good. Because mm-hmm. if you're reading 219 books a year, you are not buying them. I'm not buying them all. You are not nope. buying 219 books. And I do appreciate the people that are supporting the bookstores right now. But also, you're crazy not to support your library and get a library card and read, read, read. And chances are anyone listening to this already has their library card. But yes. it just doesn't make sense not to be borrowing most of these. Yep. So, and we bought it, so the author gets a little bit there. Yeah, of course. So for fiction published before 2020, this is really hard because so many of these were so good. Um, <clears throat> but A Place for Us by Fatima Farheen Mirza, that one really stands out in my mind and the blind assassin by margaret atwood i'd never read that and gosh if i had to pick a third it's so tough because there's so many that are um maybe history of wolves by emily fridland how old is that when you say old I mean, one of, one of the books on this list was published in 2019, right. so yeah. some of them aren't super old. I think A Place for Us came out in 2017 or 2018. Now, I think that was um, 
uh, Jessica, Sex and the City, Parker. Um, what's her name? Jessica Parker. Parker, isn't that her last she name? She started a yeah. book club, and that was her first book. Oh. Um, that got a lot of attention because mm-hmm. she picked it. It's like when Reese Witherspoon picked oh, yes, of like course. It, so it was just like this obscure book, and then, like mm-hmm. you said, like it was so good. People said that. They're like, good first pick, but I think yeah. her book club has now um, oh. fallen apart. So, hmm. too bad. It was, it was a great book. It was definitely very slow building and I even remember at one point complaining to my husband about it but then it was one of those things where once you see all the pieces kind of starting to fit together then you go oh 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 my gosh I get it now and it was it's a story about a um, Indian family that is living in America and their experience and their relationships and it just oh really as a parent it really hits you okay so that was great and then for nonfiction, um, I didn't read as much nonfiction this year as I usually do. And I think that was just, I had enough reality with what was happening <laughs> with reality. Escapism so, is I, yeah, it, there was a lot of escapism going on <clears throat> this year in my reading. Um, gosh, if I had to pick a top three, I didn't, I, I apologize, I didn't think about this one ahead of time. Hidden Valley Road. Definitely. That's on everybody's top. That was list. great. You pulled that. Fascinating. From the beginning. You said yep. you wanted to read it, yep. and I bought it, and that was on everybody's list. Yep, that was uh, schizophrenia in a family. Just fascinating, fascinating story. The Yellow House by Sarah Broom. That's a story about a family's home in New Orleans that is then destroyed by Katrina, and kind of, it's just the story of their whole family and their lives before and after living in the city. Um, that was really beautiful. And I really liked Children of the Land. And again, that's one that I know didn't get a lot of press. I think maybe it was on the NPR list. I don't remember specifically, but kind of after, after, if everybody remembers way back in January, all of the fuss about American dirt Mm -hmm. and how, oh, this isn't an authentic story and blah, blah, blah. And so there were all these lists of, if you really want to read an authentic story about about people of Mexican-American heritage. And so um, Mark, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Is it Marcelo, Marcelo Hernandez Castillo? It's, it's a memoir, it's his story of being a Mexican immigrant, illegal immigrant, living in America, his experience of his family and his father and their lives. And it's really love, it's a beautifully written story. Um, and so it was nice to read that. And I read it not long after I read American Dirt. So it really was, it was a, a good contrast to be able to see kind of the, the fiction and then the reality. So, yeah. Perfect. Um, I'm looking down these lists and the one that showed up on everyone else is The Vanishing Half. Did you read that? I did read that. So yes. not in your top 10? Not my top 10, mm-hmm. no. Just okay. Um, it's, it's, hard. <laughs> it's hard when you read as much as I do. So, you know, because there were so many books that I could say, oh, I really enjoyed that. But really, was it like in the top? It, it didn't it didn't make the cut, but it was it was a good book. Yeah, that's a good like, story. I would say yeah. that the cover shot of almost every list used her cover. Mm. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. Like, is that what people it catches your eye? Like, it was a very colorful. It cover. was. Yeah. And yep. um, but it turned up on so many and then cast. 
Did you read Cat? I haven't yet. It's we have a copy here at the library, but it's it keeps going out. Mm-hmm. And I have I true. you know, it's because it's it's so it was, Isabel Wilkerson wrote that and she wrote the Pulitzer Prize winning book, uh, The Warmth of Other Suns, which was a fascinating if you've never read that totally worth going back and reading that about the um, black migration out of the south from about 1917 through the 60s and she follows all these different people and I've heard cast is as well written if not better she's a meticulous researcher um we actually the black books matter book club is going to read that mm -hmm. as soon as it gets to the six month mark so that we can interlibrary loan it but i'm not sure we're going to be able to get it because it's extremely popular right and now it's on everybody's best up list Mm -hmm. and we might have to push it to the summer you might have to wait but we'll see or buy it like it might be worth you know purchasing for collections so um, I asked because I, I did see it everywhere, and mm-hmm. there was a lot of discussion, and because of the writing, you know, there was a yeah. lot of buzz that it was coming out, so. We actually had a patron that returned it just today, and she was, this Maybe. was a great book. Oh, oh yeah. Good. So she was she was very pleased that we put so it put in it her hands. List, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I have three books also that I just wanted to mention. Um even though it was the first book I read in 2020, I'm still saying it's my best, and it stuck with me, Dear Edward by, how do you say her name? Anne Napolitano. Yeah. Um, it really touched my heart, and we didn't get to fly anywhere this year, but if I ever <laughs> fly anywhere again, I will always think of this book. Mm. But the story was from um, A Plane Crashes and the Only Survivor is this 12-year-old boy, and it follows his life from, like, 12 to 18, and you kind of see the impact of him being this survivor. He wasn't a celebrity, but kind of, and, like, what life means and how you should be in the moment and appreciate everybody around you. So Mm. I still recommend that to everybody. That's my fiction. And I have a weird um, pattern that I've recognized that from January to, like, March, I read either all nonfiction, self-help, motivation books, obviously it's mm-hmm. new year. And then I, we go on vacation in April and I start the beach read phase, which is like <laughs> all trash books from like April <laughs> to August. And then September back to school, I'm like, no, it's time to get serious. And I cram in the books that I should have read. <laughs> and then it's the holidays and I literally read nothing from Thanksgiving until New Year's. So this is my pattern. So my book, my self-help book that I loved this year was... Um, Breathe, The New Science of a Lost Art, James Nestor. And I actually gifted it to a lot of people for Christmas. And it just, it's so simple, but it's a book about the science of breathing and then historically different civilizations that figured out if you breathe a certain way, you'll be healthier. Mm-hmm. And it's like simple, right? It's like five breath, five count breath in and out, but through your nose is basically the gist of it. But it also talks about related diseases and just kind of like how we take breathing for granted. And if we were to meditate or be more conscious of better breathing, we'd be healthier. So it's a very interesting book. And it was my best because I changed how I breathe. And I could hmm. not read it while you're reading the book. You're literally oh, yeah. analyzing. You're like, oh, my God, I do that. I do that. So hopefully I'm a little bit healthier in 220 <laughs> because of this book. And then my last book that had the biggest impact was... Um, me and white supremacy mm-hmm. so yes this was a pivotal book this year um we did a community read and read it together and had four meetings about it and it was like a workbook race relations workbook style 
book that you were supposed to read like a chapter and then answer prompt questions and really reflect on your racism, right? Like mm. that we are racist. And maybe you don't recognize racist behavior, but this book helped point out and get you to recognize what you're doing and then stop doing it, right? Like do this instead or admit that you, like even though you don't feel like you're racist, well, we don't want to think, think we, that. We don't want to think that. But this book, like... <laughs> Certainly, we're not, but yeah. It, it brought it right to the surface. The book really, really made you um, examine Examine, yourself. that's the word. I read it, too, and, and, it, and I had a hard time reading it. I was quite often angry. Yes. Um, because I did not want to think of myself in that way. Um, and, but it was, it was a very important read. I'm glad that I did it, and... Definitely, it makes me just reevaluate myself and my my actions or my inaction. That's my biggest. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think, I think um, obviously we're not over the hump of racism in our country. No, we are no. just actually it's coming to the surface, and I think everybody should read this book and maybe even privately read it and reflect mm-hmm. and do the journaling. Like, I wrote about experiences from childhood, high school, current times. Like, oh, yeah, maybe that did influence how I look at the world. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. uh, Me and White Supremacy, for sure, was at the top of my must-read list, best of. And I'm so glad it kind of fell across our um, overdrive, put it out as, like, a free borrow for everybody. Mm -hmm. And then we picked up on it. And we had 32 people sign up for that book discussion. And then that launched the Black Books Matter book. So that was the one book. I thought it was a, a powerful book for the year, and mm-hmm. everybody should read it. So those are my three. How about you, Joanne? Any recommendations? Well, um, that was on mine because it was a, it was such a difficult book for me to read. Um, so, but I would I would agree that it was very important. I'm glad I did it. And um, and then the first book that I read during our pandemic. Um, confinement with Stations Eleven, Ooh. and um, <laughs> and it was we we went home. You said don't do any work because I always do work away from the library, and I said okay. And so I had a big stack of books, and one whole stack was just horrible. I'm not even going to it, but I got through. I wasted <laughs> seven seven books. <laughs> Um, in the series, but I did it. But um, I remember I went home and I read that Stations Eleven, and I and um, I couldn't stop reading it because the pandemic was so. There were so many unanswered questions about what our life was going to be. Mm-hmm. It was really scary. People people actually recommended not reading that book well, during the I pandemic. <laughs> Because the book is so visual and detailed about, and the similarity, like Mm -hmm. it was an invisible virus Mm -hmm. that struck people down. You you didn't know why you got the virus. And so like, look, it's like almost identical. But but because it was so new for us and you didn't know how, how, um, were you saving seeds because you were going to grow? Well, it did. (laughs) I said to my husband, we are not leaving this house. That is going to be our first mistake. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm thinking about this word all the time. Read the book. <laughs> Read the Turn book. In the mudroom into a greenhouse. He's like, what is the matter with you? But um, oh, that's funny. it was really, 
it was really good. And then, of course, I'm just working my way through the Louise Penny books, and I mm. really like it. And then I just, just finished a book. Oh, it's a land question. Last book I have. <laughs> we'll talk about that another time. So, um, Okay, so you say you, the Louise Penny series is huge. How many books is in that? Sixteen, I think. Right, so I just 16. picked up the fifth one. Excellent. So, like, that could be a whole year for some people. Mm-hmm. For this it, marathon, you could commit to the Louise Penny series and get yourself to the half marathon mark easily. So, yeah, because they're they're kind of big for me mm-hmm. to read, and also I I do have other you know other little books that I have to read. I get to read. I have three children's book clubs. You got to count those for your marathon. I'm going to. I will. I'm not too proud. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's a legit literature book. (laughs) I'll call it a classic. We have to plan everything. (laughs) You tell me, Amy, when you're reading your 200 books, are you also planning a craft and a snack? Not at all. All right. (laughs) Do you count your just the classics? Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm counting my Mm -hmm. black book with matter because these are books I would not have normally stacked, you know, because like, they're not trash, and they're also not self-help. So this is mm-hmm. a whole new genre of books that I've never mm-hmm. read before. Mm-hmm. And even though it's work, like, I should have been reading them many. It's right. So that's where I, I'm going to yep. add them to the list, mm-hmm. even if yep. it's still, like, a workbook. So how about you, Madison? Anything on your book? What was your favorite book this year? Oh, what do you read? I This was a really interesting reading year for me because I tend to really like to read in the, like, one to five hundred so like I like anything kind of didactic and engaging I like kind of shorter things too but because the library was closed for so much it kind of was just whatever I had laying around I don't know if you anyone remembers this but in the beginning Amazon wasn't delivering books Mm -hmm. and I usually get mine through eight books but they just bought out or Amazon just bought out eight books so they also weren't delivering Mm. And so I think the book that actually stuck out to me is a really old one by Pema Chodron, which is called When Things Fall Apart. Mm. It was a book that a friend recommended to me a couple of years ago, and I'd always put it on the back burner because I was like, things aren't falling apart right now. I don't need this. And then she sent it to me again in the beginning of the pandemic. Now it's a Bible. Everything's falling apart now. And so... Emma Children is a Buddhist writer, and I believe she lives in a uh, monastery as well. And um, she basically kind of goes through ideas of mindfulness and principles of Buddhism. Um, not necessarily instructive telling you to be a Buddhist, but um, how to deal with situations that are less than ideal in a way that you still feel both in control and can relinquish that control. And so it's kind of Hmm. a book a little bit about paradox in that. And I found it to be really helpful in the beginning when we all were like putting plastic bags on our feet before going to the grocery store when it was like everything feels so um, unknown. Contaminated. Yeah. You couldn't trust anything. And her writing is just so lyrical and beautiful. And so it was that and then... Actually, I listened in the beginning as well to the audiobook of Wind in the Willows like four oh. times. Because, oh, yeah, because I just felt like I needed something really calm and peaceful and idyllic. And I'm not, I'm not a huge fiction reader. Like, um, I, I also work in children's books. And so I do read a lot of picture books and I also read a little bit of JFIC um, here and there. But 
there was just something about it that I was like, I want to be there right now instead of. <laughs> do you audio book while you do art? Sometimes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just started doing that this year. I, I, hearing Amy talk about it, it kind of inspired me a little bit more. And so I started doing that. Because I know your mentor, yeah. Jill Weber, does mm-hmm. that. She'll like rush in here for an audio because she has a project and a deadline. Yeah. And we're like, okay, like what? Like what do you listen to while you do art? But she's like, anything to distract me. Mm. The best mm. audio book that I listened to this year is, was an, another older one, but um, I think maybe three years ago, was The Immortalists by Chloe mm. Benjamin. Mm. I yeah. loved that and story. And the reader, or the uh, speaker, was they had a really lovely tone of their voice, mm-hmm. but I also just felt like the story was so engaging, and it just read really well as a narrative, too. And I, I read probably the last four chapters because I was like, I just need to know <laughs> how this true, ends. It's true. But um, I, I really loved that audiobook. I think that was probably my favorite audiobook of this year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to order that because oh, um, mm-hmm. we start reordering in January and my audiobook collection, it's pretty small here, but yeah. um, we try and do like bestsellers. But when you get a good narrator and a good mm-hmm. story, it should be part of the collection. And I'm going to start handing that book out. Did you read it? Mortalist? I haven't read it yet, but in fact, I gave it to one of my sisters for her, her, her Christmas gift. Oh, so it see? is a good story about siblings. So, um, <laughs> sure she read it she can zoom in and review with us <laughs> all right excellent all right we're moving to segment three which is our interview section mm-hmm. and i just wanted to take this time to kind of thank all of you for a spectacular year even though it was horrible um, <laughs> it was awesome to come here it felt like an oasis it was devastating to close, mm-hmm. and I know you talked about this time that we didn't work, but I, it was really 48 hours. Like, we I literally know. took two days, and then Tommy DePola died, mm-hmm. and we, we were forced to come in and do a story time mm-hmm. of all his books because we just couldn't let that happen. And then um, Amy and I did the inventory this mm-hmm. year and literally touched every book in the building and really cleaned up, so that was a nice, like, reset for us and a good look at, at the holdings here. Yes. So that felt like a great accomplishment. And then next thing you know, it was time to plan summer reading. And we literally did like summer reading program at a box. Like yeah, it, it had from total scratch. Thanks for the theme from the national, you know, librarian group coalition, but like there was nothing else except for like a theme line, fairy tales, good luck. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought you, you did a phenomenal job. Tons of teamwork between Amy designing all of the paperwork that had to go in the box and just hunting down the book. And like, I look back at the photographs on Instagram and everything and, and like, it just didn't seem that bad, right? Like we just kept, <laughs> up, right, we kept going from one thing to the next. It was a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It was different. It was a pivot. Getting Hoopla this year was a huge experiment, which has been a huge success. I don't think I would have been brave to just add Hoopla at the expense of the taxpayer. You know, just be like, oh, hey, we're just going to try this. Can mm-hmm. we just get $5,000? So getting a grant to pay for that and trial it, now it's mandatory. Like, it's so essential. I can't imagine not having yes. digital streaming. and. And even though some of these changes were bad, some of them were so good and so necessary and kind of moved us forward quicker. And in the real world, I see that happening too. Like, hey, maybe we should have been doing this this way all the time. So some things I miss horrible. I miss the community. Mm-hmm. I miss the interaction and the relationships mm-hmm. and the, the knowledge that people are doing well or not, or if they need help, like we're still cut off from the community that way. Mm-hmm. But um, I think we did a really, really good job this year. 
to the best of our ability of staying connected and not just like closing and turning our back and saying, oh no, it's too hard, <laughs> it's too hard. So I just wanna thank all of you for that and having Madison step back in mm-hmm. um, when she sent me the text message that said, hey, I'm back. I was like, oh my God, yes. But like at the time I couldn't hire her back. I'm like, we are on a shoestring, we're barely working. So the fact that you were patient and waited, it was meant to be that you would step back into the building and to our benefit. So it's, it's always better to have the full team here. So I thank you. So I have a couple of interview questions that I will go around and ask you. Some of them are about your real life, but maybe mm-hmm. some of them are about the <laughs> library. So the first question, um, the worst and best habit mm-hmm. that you picked up in 220. And yeah. you, you have a chance to change this on New Year's, but um, <laughs> what would you say your worst and best habit okay, during so COVID? My worst habit was um, getting addicted to TikTok. I'm not doing it so much anymore, but yeah. There, so explain how we share. Well, that was fun. So, um, so the TikTok is, is just like this mesmerizing time that you go in there and you look up and like oh my god how long have I been away um but it's a happy thing I mean it's bad but um it's really kind of joyful and funny the ones that come across my feed and that we often will send each other little TikTok. So yeah, I feel so, like our TikTok group chat is nothing but just TikToks, like no yep. words yes. and like and like the three will come in a row. Mary Catherine's in our group. She was a former librarian here, and I'll be like, oh, Mary Catherine's on TikTok. And yep. I'll get three or like Amy sends me one randomly, mm-hmm. yep. and um, yeah, it's kind of fun, right? So yeah, so I I definitely am better about just. Doing All right, that's your worst that. habit. That was my worst one. Okay, good. That's not I just terrible. Felt like I was just. Were you worried when Trump was saying he was going to shut TikTok down? Were you like, oh my God. Or were you like, okay. That was why I got on TikTok. I'm like, I got to check this out before I don't have a chance. (laughs) Seriously. Um, Amy and I have been talking about doing TikTok for the library. Because we've been watching very progressive libraries. Mostly Mm -hmm. the young adult librarians are doing TikTok. But I saw a beautiful um, TikTok that had music that had, like, Amy does the book lay for Instagram where she takes a photo Mm -hmm. of parts Mm -hmm. of the book. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like that. Like, they would lay a book down, like, no words, and and might have, you know, some kind of cool music in the background. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, we could do that. So I'm feeling inspired, and it'll be, like, book TikTok. So very innocent, nothing dark and seedy about Mm -hmm. it. We could do that. We could do book TikTok. So we might dabble in TikTok a little bit for 221. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, what was your best, best habit? My best is that I started journaling. Oh, you did? So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, and it is, it is good. It, it just is, kind of helps you. Maybe it'd be published in 100 years, oh, what it was right, like during exactly. the pandemic. <laughs> well, it's just, like, really good. So I, um, my friend Lena uh, gave me this little holiday journaling book, and it's and it's so fun, and it starts started like in October, and so it's so good to it's by I have this little chair in my kitchen, my stack of books, and all the things that I, you know, want to do when I come home, and I'm like like just kind of centering myself. This is part of part of my new day now is, and anything like just lovely 
that happened. Like, I have this great doorbell that my husband gave to me. It is good. Um, mm. A couple of years ago at Christmas, it used to be up on the top of the house because our house was raised many years ago. But it's an actual bell, and you pull this hand, this knob, and a real bell chimes. And, and so, yeah, one day I was just looking through. I'm like, oh, someone rang my bell. <laughs> and brought me a beautiful present. Or like, like sometimes when that bell rings, it's so, it's so nice when it, you know, someone's visiting or they might drop something off. Anyway, I'm, something like that might make it into my journal. And, and you know, the small moments um, are little treasures that you might you might never remember those for, might mm -hmm. forget about it and 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 you might think oh, this year was terrible and um there were terrible things about this year but there were some really good little bits of friendship that happened too so um the journaling helps you helps me remember do you that. sketch when you journal or is it strictly words um i can doodle yeah because you're mm -hmm. her doodles they're probably masterpieces <laughs> <laughs> doodles <laughs> <laughs> All right, Madison, best and worst habit. I think mine is also related to my phone. I Before this year, like before, especially before um, March and February, I had this, like, I don't know if I call it a habit, but it was kind of strict about phone time where I wouldn't go on my phone before 10 a.m. and I wouldn't go on it past 10 p.m. Mm. And this year, I just feel like because I'm... 2 a.m. Like, <laughs> <know, so, laughs> because you're up, yeah. because yeah. you're just not up at weirder hours or, like, I think that ever was a little bit lonelier. Mm -hmm. I think I was just like, well, I don't really need that rule anymore because, you know, we're all living in a different reality. And so I think I've been on my phone a little bit more than I would like to. It's... But maybe it's just a weird year. It is kind of our way that we communicate right now. But it, you, you do end up more exhausted at the end of the day. And I, you know, I like how I feel better when I'm not waking up and instantly checking my email. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think that's probably my, like, thorn of the year. But um, I think for my, my best habit that I picked up is I typically don't take breaks. Because I, like I said, I work here but I also illustrate children's books and so I don't take a lot of breaks during the day but because we have so much more time it feels like I've been t making an active effort to cook and bake more mm -hmm. because it's something that you can't a lot of times you can't like walk out of the room and then go just night. I mean obviously it depends on what you're making but um I think specifically this year I got really into bread making and I think mm. that has been a really I feel like that's fun. one of the silver linings yeah. of the pandemic it's that because you couldn't mm -hmm. go get food or whatever, that you learned to cook. Yeah. That was a wonderful thing. Or that you took the time to cook for yourself. Or, mm -hmm. Like, yeah. life was getting so chaotic and busy before the pandemic. I don't think we were noticing. Yeah. And then this, like, shut down and, like, oh, my God, i got to make my own bread. There's no yeast, you know. <laughs> well, I it, would make bread, but there's no yeast. Yeah, <laughs> and it's something – my dad is an amazing cooker. Like, he's – Jewish and always like made everything by scratch and so it's been something that we've been able to call each other and say oh nice. like I'm taking this celebrating class like I'll send you some or I'll leave some in the mailbox for you or I'll send you this recipe and so I think that's also been like a good way to connect too so yeah. perfect yeah I think that's been I think that's been my highlight habit that's a good <laughs> habit yeah and you'll probably mm. keep doing it yeah because definitely. the reward is delicious food and connection Sure. How about you, Amy? Best and worst habit? Okay, worst habit. This is kind of embarrassing. Um, so pre-COVID, I feel like I was so good about, 
you know, it's the end of the day, the dirty dishes are in the sink, I get them in the dishwasher. Like I, I had always like been good about that. So my worst habit now is I just look at the dirty dishes and I say, you know what? I'm not going anywhere tomorrow morning. It's true. They'll be there. <laughs> so I've got I've gotten into that's like on my list of things to address for 2021. I need uh-huh. to just take well, that go. 10 minutes and just empty the sink. Don't leave the dirty dishes in the sink overnight. No one's ever going to remember that you had a dirty sink, right? Like It's true. Never, that's I will. I always say, maybe. Like, but. but like they'll remember <laughs> you for 219 books. <laughs> <laughs> that's a eulogy bill. <laughs> Um, best habit, I, I feel like I've finally gotten to a place where I'm drinking enough water. Oh, I never get there. Darn coffee brings me down. (laughs) Well, congratulations. You're hydrated for 221. Ready to go. What about you? Um, my worst habit this year, and I attribute it to the election, so it'll be easy to drop, was, um, watching news Mm -hmm. at the end of the day starting at 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. and then mm. finding myself at 1.30 in the morning sprawled out with like CNN blaring in the background and I worried that my neighbors were like watching this and being like what's wrong with her <laughs> like you know when you drop by a house and there's like a tv screen yeah. and it's like okay so that was me so I would sit on the couch with a book and I would say I just had it on in the background right but like mm-hmm. the news was so dramatic like I wasn't reading, like the book would just stay and I would just watch, watch, watch. And then a couple of TikToks would come <laughs> and then my husband religiously goes to bed at the same time, 1038. And he'd be like, are you good? And I'm like, I'm just going to watch a little bit of news. I'm just mm-hmm. going to catch up on mm-hmm. Anderson Cooper, whoever. And then what happened was I would start going to different news stations to see if what I was watching was true. And the next mm-hmm. thing you know, like out cold, like right. it was terrible for my health mentally. It was terrible for sleeping. Yep. Like, I really screwed myself up. Yeah, the sleeping is bad. So now I'm watching no news mm. and um, reading a little bit more of the news mm-hmm. and digesting what I can instead of the visual news. The visual news was just, like, all over the place. So that was my worst habit. And I felt informed, but over-informed. Mm-hmm. It was, like, not frightening, but just, like, disturbing. Mm-hmm. And so dramatic. Everything was so dramatic, and I was getting caught up in it. And I just found myself like debating with people about stuff I saw. I'm like, I don't even know if it's real news. You know, mm-hmm. like it just started to be too much. So, um, but it was election time, right? And I don't know all the Supreme Court stuff. So we won't yeah. rewind all that. But that was my worst habit. And my best habit was um, from the beginning going outdoors every day. So like, I need that. Like I need air. I feel claustrophobic in houses Mm -hmm. and um, if I, I will prioritize everything before myself. So like going to work, taking care of family, getting the dishes done, whatever it is. But what I really need is to step outside, even Mm -hmm. if it's just for 15 minutes. So I found myself like going for a walk at the end, like my neighbors must be like, there she is again at 6.45. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. it's that 15 minutes of air and sun that really was like centering. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to keep that habit. And um, I'm trying to get back out and run again and like do that in the morning. I saw you running today. Yep. I I ran today and I had an injury that kind of got me on the sidelines, but I'm like feeling better and back from that. So that's a really important habit that I have to get into 2021. But I read somewhere like, oh, the vitamin D, you know, like it's that light. And um, in the beginning, 
all my neighbors were walking on our street. Like, mm-hmm. you could catch people at different mm-hmm. times of day. Because remember, you weren't allowed to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And if you saw a car leave, it was like, where are they going? Where are they, going? <laughs> where are they going? So I'm not seeing so much of that walking anymore. But it was kind of cool in the beginning. It was like a community thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody walking on Main Street in your neighborhood. So I'm going to try and bring that back. So that was best and worst habit. And then I want you to think about our year here. And I'm call- I might write about this in the town report. I call it library pivot. But like the things that we had to do to make work work again mm-hmm. and rethink. If there was one thing that you were proud of in 2020 that you did here, what would you say it is? Uh, that would, for me, uh, probably be introducing the pop-up story times on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, because I... I've had to rethink how I'm connecting with our smallest patrons in town. I think you have a huge audience that is not even children. <laughs> I don't know who they are, but um, <laughs> but I I feel like I am connecting with somebody, and um, and I feel like it's kind of important. So I'm I'm glad I'm doing it, and even though I'm not seeing the kids very much in person, I'm hoping that they are feeling like I'm a, a safe person and I'm trying to you know pick thoughtful things to say and 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 I think you're a guiding voice on Thursdays that people look forward to the mm-hmm. story and then uh, a little bit of it goes over children's heads mm-hmm. and goes right to adults <laughs> good advice mm-hmm. and um, support yeah. yeah and you're underplaying how much technology is involved in this and that's oh, not your strength no, so I we sent like, you I don't like we sent technology. you home with an iPad yeah. that needed passwords <laughs> and logins uh, and yeah, Wi-Fi <laughs> so it seems so simple oh it's a 15 minute story time but the preparation yeah. the launching of it the technology side of it wasn't your strength but now you're a pro to resonate though. Um, yeah. <laughs> Matt so anyway, and I are laughing Yeah, I'm a pro. Um, I'm doing it. How about that? You are doing so, it. That was a big pivot for you. Mm-hmm. So embracing technology in different ways. Because otherwise you'd be on the floor, six to ten children, maybe 25 in the backyard. Right. I'm in kindergarten. I miss the kindergartners mm. and our book clubs. Um, so it's all just different, but it's not as bad as I thought it would be. No, I thought you did an excellent job. Thanks. How about you, Madison? Anything? Well, I came in a little later than everyone because I was here for the first half, but I think it's been an interesting shift to hopefully be more of a supportive, like, tech support to where I felt um, like I'd never used, not Audible, um, Libby, and I'd never used Hoopla before this year, and then we had the new update for Apollo, and so now I feel like... Oh, that's right. Yeah, tech is not really my strong suit, surprisingly, but I really do feel like my skills have built up a lot year and hopefully that's been able to help with zoom and podcast and facebook things that we've had questions for oh, so. somebody trying to get us um i i am going to report how many zoom meetings we had because yeah. mm. this isn't like new terminology for the year zooming you know all the things that we had to, that is so normal now but like i remember my first zoom with the selectmen they pulled department heads together and i was like trying to figure out a good background in my house and everything yeah, and now yeah. it's just so normal you just zoom in half the people are in their pajamas <laughs> but um, I want to count the number of Zoom 
uh, meetings we had, they yeah. call them meetings, but it could be that we had a virtual program that like, and we all have to do that. I mean, it's just how we do programming now or don't do programming. You know, you either have to figure it out. So we thank you for that advanced <laughs> tech. Because sometimes we need it. Like, Joanne will say, like, my meeting starts in five minutes, but I can't find the link. And then, boom, you get her on, and she's up, and there's six kids waiting for her. So we thank you for your techie support. We're all just boomers over here. That's what, I mean, I think everyone has to learn this year. Like I said, this really is not my strong You do have to learn. It's just like, you, it's like sink or swim. So Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel that way, and yeah. we have just had to embrace it. So how about you, Amy? Well, I feel like, like I said, ILO was closed for six months. And I was really proud of the way the state worked to adapt it, to get it back up and running again, and how it's efficiently so it us. has run. You know, being a small library, it is so important. We absolutely have to have it for the book clubs, all the quarantining procedures that have been set up, and how smoothly that's really run, and how understanding our patrons are about you know, like, like for instance, there was, there was someone here this morning. She's got a couple things that she had requested through ILL. The bin is right there on the floor and she can see one of the books that she requested. But, but I said that bin just arrived yesterday. Those books still have to be quarantined. Let's get you something else. And I was able to go in the back and get her her three books she'd never read. And she was happy with that. And she understands that she has to wait and that we'll call her when those are ready so I think that's one of your um, talents that you take for granted too like when you say and then I just got her something else and it's because you know like if she likes this book she's gonna like this book mm-hmm. and that is a gift that that you give this community and the library like we really lean on thank you. you for that so I thank you for all your <clears throat> reading expertise and recommendations and also your daily digital um Wednesdays, yes. the Dalen Digital Picks. Mm-hmm. I think you have a fan base for that also. Tell us about how that came about. So that was back um, at the, the beginning of quarantine, you know, working from home, what can we do, wanting to stress to people the availability of digital materials. And initially that was even before we had uh, Hoopla mm-hmm. Digital. So just, just Overdrive and Libby, which are two separate programs, but they access the same state library materials. And just kind of trying to get the word out to people, hey, do you know that we have these books available digitally, ebooks and audiobooks, and deciding to do it as a weekly feature. And initially, the first couple, I was only highlighting like one or two books. And then the week that coincided with what would have been the Harry Potter camp and all the digital things that Joanne was doing virtually online. That week I did, um, you know, Harry Potter read-alikes. I think that's what I called it. And so it was the first image with, I don't know, 12 books. And then from there, I kind of thought, oh, I like that. I like having a lot of books instead of just one or two. And then the next week it was like all books by Chris Bojalian and got a lot of good feedback on that. And so it just sort of developed into this format of recommending, mentioning 12 different books that are available and I then, love all the themes like, it's been that's been fun so random, that's been fun right? yeah 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 and because you're such a reader like I don't know if they pop up too as you're like picking books out like oh this is ocean books this makes a good <laughs> thing but oh that's a good one I haven't done that yet I've seen right there you go I've seen other libraries do something similar and I mm-hmm. wonder like were they inspired by you because I spend a tremendous Maybe. amount of time like I follow a million different libraries mm. on Instagram 
And just for like inspiration, because I used to be a big magazine person and Instagram to me is like the digital magazine. Sure. So like I'm floating through and then like I'll see a span of books and it's really similar to like what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yours is very specific to the digital content. But I always think like, look at us, like we're doing it. So that was a big pivot for you because yes, your job kind of stopped as ILL, but your expertise did not. So that sure. was a great way to share with people. And I know you have some fans out there. So, That's been fun. Yeah. Um, I will just mention library pivot for us was um, a big one was the CARES Act grant that got us to Hoopla. Oh, yeah. So this, um, I, got a, I got an email from my boss, Cindy, that said, hey, are we applying for this grant? And it was like literally 24 hours to the deadline. And I'm like, all right, let's just throw our hat in the ring and see what happens. Here's the one thing I think we really need. And I knew how much it cost because mm-hmm. I had wanted Hoopla, but didn't think we could afford it, didn't have a good sense of how much it could really cost us because it's a pay-per-borrow model. Right. And I was like, oh my God, what if people go crazy and they borrow a ton of stuff and we didn't budget correctly for it? So I quickly got on and talked to a bunch of reps and a bunch of librarians who like had been using Hoopla consistently to estimate how much we need. And I just wrote it into the grant. I'm like, I think we need $3,000. and. It turns out we do need $3,000 because people are using it and they're loving it. And we originally let people borrow eight things a month. And it could be like eight $4 things or eight ninety-nine cents thing. It all depends on what you borrow. Mm-hmm. So um, we were estimating somewhere between two and $300 a month and people were like really using it. So we did cut back, we called it the introductory offer of eight bucks. We're down to four borrows on a card a month to just stay on budget. And we did budget for it and it was approved. So we'll be continuing with Hoopla next year. That's great. But that was a big one, and I I thanked Cindy for sending that email because I kind of thought, we'll never get it. Like, we're not going to get it. It's a CARES Act grant. Like, this is like a tiny little library. Like, we're nothing. And it was like almost 24 hours after applying, they were like, you were approved. I'm like, what? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then it was the hustle, hustle, hustle to get it going. And Hoopla was like, we don't normally do this. We usually train your whole staff, but like, yeah, we can launch you. So we launched it, I think on June 1st, after the application was approved on May 25th. And they're like, yeah, normally it takes a month. So that was just like, just like you were saying, sink or swim, like just put it out there and just troubleshoot it as we go. Mm -hmm. But I think people picked up on it very quickly and lots of people are using it. So that was the big one. And then maybe personally, this is the last one, your low and high for the year. (laughs) <laughs> I don't even think just one low, right? Just one low. I um, I would say my low. When did you cry the hardest? <laughs> oh, I'm so cried so much, guys. You're so, so much, much better. I'm You're so, so much better. better. Let's see if I can. Um, I think the lowest of the low was when I had to cancel Harry Potter. Mm. Yeah, God, that was the low. Wizarding Week. That was so low. And why I had to tell so my much work. I tell my family. I told them at dinner, and oh, I cried. I think they mm. all cried. It was awful because mm-hmm. we work on it for so much. It's a family affair to work mm-hmm. on it, and I just couldn't believe that I was just going to have to say, "Just kidding, we're not doing it this year." Mm-hmm. And um, so that was super bad. It was just, I still can hardly believe that we won't be doing it again this year. I know. Um, So, you know, that was probably my worst. All right, what was your high? Your best. My best, I think, it's a small thing, but I think it's the stall house. 
Oh, behind. Yeah. Because I've definitely been struggling this, I would say, a little bit of depression, you would say. And um, when the Emerlitas said yes to Dollhouse, I had seen something on some library um, Instagram that I was following. It might have been the Amherst Library. They were putting together a Dollhouse. And, um, and I thought, I asked you, could I do one, like an I Spy? And oh, I sent this awful picture of a dollhouse in my basement that was just like a racho one. <laughs> you were so kind. <laughs> I'm like, it's nothing like this masterpiece here. Yes, but, but anyway, because you said yes, because mm-hmm. we don't have a lot of space. And I, so I reached out to the Emerlikas because I know that they had one languishing in the attic. And they were so kind. And it just really, uh, really made me feel joy again. Yes. You know, just cleaning her up and decorating, and and um, it was just really a a nice, a really nice thing to put me in the holiday cheerful mood. I agree. So it it's awesome. a small thing, but it, it really worked wonders. Well, and I'm hoping we'll bring it out every year, and um, yeah. people will visit it with joy mm-hmm. in person next year. Mm-hmm. Right. How about you, Madison? Low and high. Um. Well. That's I mean this is I feel like most things this year have been both low and high. Like mm-hmm. I think for me maybe my low would have been when I kind of realized how long COVID was really going to go on for. I mean we still don't know when it's going to end, but I have mm-hmm. this very distinct memory of I was living in Salem at the time with my friend and I was like I just need to go pick up a library book really quick. And, like, almost comically, there was a huge lock on the outside of the door. <laughs> like, because they were just closed and they weren't going to open and it didn't say we're going to be back open here. And I think that was my moment that I was like, oh, we are really in this for the long haul. And I think mm-hmm. that week after of just kind of realizing, yeah, we're all going to be doing this and it's not going to be just a week or two weeks or a month. It's probably going to be many, many, many months. Mm-hmm. So I think that was maybe when reality really set in for me. And then I think from there, it was just learning how to deal with what everyone was being presented with. So I don't even know if I would call that a low necessarily, but I think it was just the moment that I realized that we all have to learn how to cope in a very different way than we ever have before. Mm-hmm. But I would say that I had two highs this year. That my first high was moving to Peterborough with my partner because we found just the perfect apartment for us to wait out this Yay. apocalypse. <laughs> so, like, uh, I mean, just the perfect space, and it's in such a nice part of town that you know you don't really feel too in the middle of all of the chaos of this year. Like, you know, people are still being respectful and wearing masks, but there's still people out walking their dogs, and you still get a little bit of that life. And so, I think that's been a nice reality check that you know, the world is still turning and everything is going to be okay eventually. And then my second high was I got my second book deal. Yay! Yay! So that was very exciting. Pandemic be damned. And then also coming back here, of course. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so good things, good things. The hard and good, I think, like everyone else this mm. year. So. Yeah, the book deal, that's huge. Yeah. I mean, that just puts you back on the, you know, path of success, like as one book's ending and yeah. you're hoping for the next. So congratulations. Thank you. How about you, Amy? Low and high? Hmm. Okay, low... I would say the start of the stay-at-home order when everything was very unknown Mm -hmm. 
and the library was closed. There were just, it just felt very, uh, too many unresolved things. That was hard. And for a high, uh, this Christmas, we surprised my daughter Charlotte with a kitten. So oh. that was that was very exciting. It was a great surprise. We don't actually have the kitten yet. Oh, it's, too, it's too young. <clears throat> we won't get to bring it home until January 22nd, but it's it's one of her good friends who lives in Amherst. One of their cats had a kitten. So she's been around. She's seen the kitten before. She's very excited. It was a great surprise just seeing her face. I I got a bunch of little cat toys and some kitten food, put it in a box with a bunch of tissue paper and it was the last box that she opened on Christmas Day so she opens it up and she, one of the cat toys kind of flopped out and she looked up at me and she said we're getting a cat we're getting a cat and then like the other kids were saying the same thing and then Nicholas you know he's a boy whatever he said is the cat in the box and then oh yeah sure Nick it's it's in the box it's been wrapped under the tree for right. two days you know so everybody had a good laugh over that <clears throat> and then I got to share all the pictures. That, well, that's like having a baby. You're getting yeah, a new family member. Very exciting. So no name, no name decisions yet, but it's a cute little female calico. So and it will be at our house and giving everyone stress relief and anxiety relief right. in mm -hmm. a couple weeks. So yeah, that, is exciting. that was a good high. That's a good high. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's a different perspective right now. Like we have learned to swim in this rough sea mm -hmm. and we're all becoming better swimmers somehow. Mm. So, um, it's not over, but it just feels more manageable, you know? It just feels like the highs and lows are just a little bit less. It's more flattening now, and we're, I'm calling, I'm telling people not to resist anymore. Like, stop resisting, right? Mm -hmm. Just just follow the rules, and we can get out of this. Like, if you haven't learned yet that you're not going into anywhere without a mask, like, it's time to just accept it. Stop mm -hmm. resisting, right? And just accept it, and mm -hmm. get a cute mask, and be done with it. Like, <laughs> can right. we believe we're still talking about the mask? I know. And now it's time to get the vaccine, so. Mm -hmm. um, my low and high, my low of all lows was, and I could even cry just thinking about it, um, this is sad, but leaving the library. Yeah on the day that we closed and I know Amy was one of the last to walk out the door she was desperate to finish the inventory and she was just not gonna leave and I encouraged her to say <laughs> it was a disaster mm -hmm. and then we just I just wanted to clean up and button up this building yeah but personally and I I had no choice but it felt like a huge failure to lock the building after 110 years of being open and that somehow it was our fault but it wasn't our fault but it just felt like could we have done something different now I know no mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I remember I wrote a very defensive post on Facebook that was like we had no choice mm -hmm. you know and someone who doesn't live here wrote me a note and was just like whoa and I'm just <laughs> like I'm like yeah like I wasn't trying to kill anyone by staying open mm -hmm. but like I wanted to stay open. We did want to stay mm -hmm. open. Desperately. We desperately right. wanted to stay open. It was open. so beautiful in here the day we closed. Mm -hmm. You had flowers up on the trees mm -hmm. and the, the all the books were put away perfect because we mm -hmm. had just in, no one had been in here for like ten days and it was yeah. it was gorgeous. And I took a picture and I thought, Well, if this is the last picture ever, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. so be it. And then to reopen what it took to get us to reopen. So like I had to attend all these um reopening policy meetings with all the directors like week after week after week we were waiting for this reopening task force to come out with the guidelines to reopen and then like it didn't happen you know soon enough 
but it just felt like so good to open the door again and have mm -hmm. even if it was just like curbside pickup at first and then just to get those gears back up and running um, for me personally a high this year my son struggles with dyslexia and he graduated from high school so that was like a high mm -hmm. and then he got a job that he loves mm -hmm. and he is uh, he was just notified that he was picked to be on uh, he's a big fisherman that he is going to be one of team new canoes northeast reps um, yeah so this was uh, a long haul with him and he is happy and so i have three children who are doing what they're supposed to be doing in mm -hmm. life and i tried to acknowledge it at christmas because i think everybody takes it for granted right but like you don't always get to do what you want to do at the time you want to do it mm -hmm. so i just wanted to recognize in that moment with the kids like hey you're all doing what you said you wanted to do like the, in this moment we're all where we're supposed to be even though it's a pandemic it just mm -hmm. felt like Good, and that we could be together because not everybody can be together. Right. Mm. So like, it's that is a that is a, a win at the end of the year. So because literally everyone could have been sent home from college, nobody's working, husband loses a job. Like this is happening to mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. so. And we're all healthy. We're all healthy. Mm -hmm. Right. Not come home. So. All right. Well, that is the end of our best of 220. Thank you for sharing your stories. Mm -hmm. And I am very much looking forward to 221. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping to have a happy new year. I'm sure we all have no plans. <laughs> no. Right. Um, we will quickly do the speed round. I will just say this. Um, let's just do a resolution. Do you have a resolution for 220? I do. Okay. What's I your do. resolution? Um, it is. You were talking about it. <laughs> Um, Bonnie was talking about how she gets outside every day, mm -hmm. and um, I don't always do that, but it is my resolution. My husband gave me the most wonderful Christmas present. Everyone should come see it. Um, he completely cleared out all of our back acreage um, and sort of made it more, instead of like a scrappy woods, more like a park, because he goes outside every day, and he said he just thought really help if I felt comfortable and um, it's a beautiful they're beautiful walks and paths and bird houses and bird feeders and I'm just I decided I'm going to go out and visit my park every day rain or shine mm. and, that's great um, so that's my resolution mm. yeah. that's a good one did he make the bird houses um no he didn't oh. but but the path you'll have to come and see yeah it's it's lovely oh. it's just lovely so you have to come what about you? Do you have a resolution? Yeah, my New Year's resolution is to get the COVID vaccine. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. So, whenever it comes out, I am really looking forward to getting it. And mm -hmm. I feel like because of the way that this year has been, I am having difficulty planning anything other than that. So mm. that's mine. What about you, Amy? Mm. I don't make New Year's resolutions because I feel like it's... It's too easy to be like, ah, oh, well, that was my New Year's resolution. I didn't keep up with it. You're very goal-oriented, yeah. though. I'm surprised. I, I feel like I have. So I do the, I'll just mention it really quick, the um, 101 things in 1,001 days. And Google that if you don't know what it is because it's a really fascinating idea. I heard about that this fall, and I set up my list, and it started at the end of September. So that's kind of like a longer time period to work on goals. It works out to just shy of three years. Um, so I've got things on that list that I can plug away on. Um, but just New Year's resolutions, I just feel like it's always, it's almost like you, because there's that cliche of people never following through for long term with New Year's resolutions, it just feels like it's easy to say, ah, 
oh, well, I didn't do it. So um, don't make New Year's resolutions, but um, I do want to have a healthy 2021. So yes. I'll say that. Important. Yeah. Important. Um, I'm a big planner. I'm an over planner and I'm a worrier and I have a whole doomsday scenario for anything so that I avoid that happening. So I am resolving to not be that way and be more spontaneous. Spontaneous? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't know exactly what that means, but <laughs> I will try not to plan every minute of every day. <laughs> the unfortunate thing is that, um, and again, I probably need a therapist, but that I think that planning that way is the way to success. Mm-hmm. But when I look back at the best moments of my life or happiest, they were the spontaneous things, mm-hmm. not the planned things. So I haven't learned this lesson yet that don't plan everything. Be ready for surprises. Expect miracles or whatever. So we did just have a spontaneous thing happen last week for the library project. And of course, I couldn't have planned that. I couldn't have predicted that. And it was one of the, it was wonderful. And I thought to myself, like, there's a spontaneous moment. So I'm going to be more spontaneous in 221. How about that? Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Happy New Year. Be safe. Wash your hands. Get the vaccine if you can. How do we get on the top of that list? Can we just say that we're we're public servants? We work with children. Maybe that can happen for us, right? But as soon as you can get it, right, we'll step in line. And um, stay home. All right. Most important thing. Hibernate and read. Get to the finish of the marathon. Yes. If you haven't registered, yes. Sign up. All right, everybody. We'll see you in January. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.